0: hello now playing listeners this is your frequent movie review co-host Stuart. here to let you know about a contest we have because facebook is facebook they like to make it difficult sometimes for guys like us to stay in your newsfeed. we're offering an incentive for you to go into your facebook app change the preferences and make it so that you can continue to see now playing as part of your daily newsfeeds. because they have a winnowing process that means if We're not your closest friends and family. We may not be seen. And so if you go and make those changes, we are going to offer some prizes. First place, to book, a copy of The Art of Black Panther. Second place, you get the soundtrack. And if you want to know step-by-step how to do that, the instructions are on our webpage, nowplayingpodcast.com slash FB. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
1: If you're reading this letter, I am no longer with you. There was more to my life than boardrooms and business deals. It also means I have failed and must place an awful burden on your shoulders. So, Lara, I'm asking you to complete my work, to find the entrance to the Tomb of the Dancing Light.
2: Time to save the universe again, then, is it? Absolutely.
1: Now Playing podcast Tomb Raider Retrospective Series.
2: you a hard like to follow Croft.
1: Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. Do you know I can't resist a bit of fun? Hosted by Arnie. You're laughing at me. No, no, it's a fact I used to find you charming. I am charming. Justin. I think I'm going mad. And Stuart. Hello, boys. You're all wet. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language.
2: It will be an adventure. Death is not an adventure.
1: Listener discretion is advised. Are you truly prepared for what you're about to learn? Some secrets must remain secrets. I These are very heavy burdens. I am prepared, sir.
3: Discussing Laura Croft Tomb Raider The Cradle of Life starring Angelina Jolie, Gerard Butler, Noah Taylor, Jaimin Hansu directed by Jan Debont. This is Arnie, your host. Welcome to Fantasy Island.
0: Stuart
2: and <laughs> this is Justin.
0: The Cradle of Life Who doesn't know it's in Africa? I gotta say <laughs> boy this movie it's got a lot to learn. And it needed to improve. I think we were all saying a couple weeks ago, Tomb Raider had some elements that were working, but it, it needed to up its game. So is upping its game getting the guy who made Speed 2 in The Haunting? Jan de Bont, just for those who don't know, and I feel like most people do, was
3: a tremendous cinematographer of like every good action film of the 80s. Plus he shot Roar. One day we're going to talk about it. My God. And after doing... Die Hard and Lethal Weapon 3 and some others, he got in the director's chair and his first one right out of the gate, hit it out of the park with Speed, followed up with Twister, and then went to hell. <laughs> he did Speed 2 Cruise Control, The Haunting, and this is his last directorial effort. And I don't see him doing any camera work since either. I guess he just retired.
0: Yeah. It, it doesn't bode well, right? Like when I look at this is the movie that polished him off. I don't remember this coming out. I was actually abroad in the summer of 2003 and missed most of the things that came out. I never heard hide nor hair about this movie. Having not seen the first one, I didn't make an effort to see the second one. The only thing I could tell you was that they upped her outfit to be some kind of neoprene, like, silver bodysuit. That's the only thing I knew.
2: Yeah, I, you know, as much as I didn't see the first one when it came out, I was blissfully unaware of this one you know the first one at least had some fanfare behind it this one what? only two years later and nothing i don't remember commercials i don't remember tie-ins i don't
3: remember action figures nothing and i was there opening weekend (laughs) (laughs) of course It was a big summer. I mean, if you were looking at it, it was the summer that we got our first Pirates of the Caribbean film that kind of took over. That was the one that I went like last weekend. It was the one I waited till every single person said it was good. We had Ang Lee's Hulk film. There were a lot of movies I was excited for. Tomb Raider was one of them. I had bought Tomb Raider on DVD. I watched it many times in between, including leading up to this, doing my own little retrospective. Marjorie went with me again. It's a little bit telling that... For both of these, Marjorie's like, I was there. I haven't seen this film. No, Marjorie, you were sitting next. I was? She has (laughs) literally wiped these from her mind. Like, she went and got neuralized by the men in black to forget she ever saw either of these. But yeah, I was there in July. I mean, it was this or Seabiscuit. Mm.
0: Big summer, you say? Again, I wasn't there for it. I presumed that it was so bad That It stopped this because it's strange to me that Jolie doesn't have another Tomb Raider. I would have thought that the movie we're going to talk about next week would be her third effort with the character. I don't feel that she's so old. She couldn't keep doing this. And again, I can't imagine any other actress doing it. So my question is, did she get tired of the series? You know, now that she's a director and humanitarian, does she not want to do this anymore? Was the box office so bad that they didn't want to make it anymore? Or was Tomb Raider out of fashion? I think that Tomb Raider 2 was the last video game I ever played to completion. And I don't remember Tomb Raider 3 or anything else that came out after it. It feels like it had died. Well, Tomb Raider
3: 3 came out in 1998. I mean, they were coming out one a year. As far as this goes, here's what I came into this review remembering. I remembered, yes, the silver wetsuit. I remembered that this was supposedly... The better one that this is the one people liked more now in doing a little bit of research It's not a lot more, but I remember at the time people saying this is the good one They made it right now. Why didn't they make another one interestingly? I almost never see this they gave the sequel a lower budget than the original It feels like they almost always back up the money truck for a sequel the first one had a hundred and fifteen million They cut this one back to 95 million now At the time of release, Angelina Jolie is like, I'm done with the character. I've done what I wanted to do with the character. Mm -hmm. And you have to think that her life did change in that time. Her trip to Cambodia made her a different woman. She started collecting children the way I collect statues of Star Wars characters. She had started getting on the rocks with Billy Bob. She'd just be a couple years away from Brad Pitt. So she could very well have been done. That said, this movie wasn't a huge success either. It only made 65 million in the States. It only made 150 global. A significant drop from the first one. So, I don't think anybody was dying to return to this. It was seen like beating a dead horse. Well, what about the game series at this time? Was that keeping up? Interestingly, no. They were still putting out one per year. But reviews were starting to get a little bit iffy, and Eidos had been bought. They'd licensed games out to Ubisoft. Pretty soon they'd be bought by Square Onyx. So they were still putting them out, but it wasn't getting the reception. And interestingly, 2003's The Angel of Darkness was the sixth and last one done by Eidos. They then took a couple years off. They'd bring her back in 2006 at an attempt of a reboot, and then they'd bring her back again in 2013, rebooted yet again, and were far more successful with their 2013 attempt, which is probably why we're going to be talking about her again.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of all of the above, really, is that Jolie wasn't into it, audiences weren't into it, and the game's fire had gone out. So, all right, well then let's get through it, Harney. (laughs) Give us the plot of Cradle of Life, and we'll see if this is the better one. Angelina
3: Jolie again plays Lara Croft, the wealthy Englishwoman whose obsessive hobby is the hunting of rare valuable artifacts. While deep-sea diving, she finds the safety deposit temple where Alexander the Great kept all his treasures. In that temple, Croft finds a strange orb. She takes it, but crime lord Chen Lo attempts to kill her. She lives, but he gets the orb. Back at her house, MI6 arrives and tells Lara that the orb they found is a map that will lead them to Pandora's box. No, not Aerosmith's box set, but an ancient chest that contains a
0: deadly plague that will wipe out all of mankind. Or at least some of it, it's unclear. It's been opened already. So I mean, (laughs) it didn't kill everybody. It's
3: Chimera and it needs B'Aera phone. (laughs) I will never tire of Mission Impossible 2's stupid names. (laughs) Also searching for the box is Nobel Prize-winning scientist Jonathan Rice, played by Kieran Hines. He plans to release the plague to wipe out most of humanity, leaving only himself and the very wealthy alive. MI6 wants Lara to get the box before Rice does, because I guess they haven't hired Daniel Craig yet. But Lara says she can't do it alone, she needs the help of criminal Terry Sheridan, who happens to be Lara's ex-lover, and happens to be played by Gerard Butler, and happens to know Cho Lin's organization and can help her steal the orb. MI6 agrees, and Sheridan is sprung from the Huskao. They go to China, kill Chen Lo, and get the orb, and it leads them to Africa, where they meet Laura's friend Kosa, played by Jaimin Hansu. But Laura is captured by Rice, and he takes her to the Cradle of Life. They're attacked by weird ape ghosts called Bigfoots, but Laura saves the day by dropping the orb in a hole. This opens the Cradle of Life with the box. Laura and Rice fight in an M.C. Escher land where they can suddenly walk on ceilings and she knocks the evil scientist into black liquid that holds the box, killing him. But then Terry says he's going to take the box himself. So Laura shoots him, killing him, and puts the box back in the corrosive liquid, as credits roll. Alright, I'm just going to put it out here. This story doesn't hold together any better than last week's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's different writers, but not better writers. I do agree. <laughs> if, if you're going to the guy that wrote Paycheck, maybe not. <laughs> and the guy, Stephen D'Souza, who did write Die Hard and did direct and write Street Fighter. Oh. Uh, oh, boy. It hurts, (laughs) I know. Jim Hart's in here too. He wrote Hook and uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and Sahara, another Indiana Jones ripoff from around this time.
3: But let's go through it and see. The opening just is going to jump right in. We're not going to start with any of Lara's home life and anything of her butler and her techie. She shows up where a whole bunch of pirates or scavengers. Treasure hunters. Okay, but with five o'clock shadows and rusty boats, (laughs) they don't look very successful. They're all diving because they found this temple where Alexander the Great kept everything. He didn't like it in his house. He kept it in this temple by the sea. Now, did they find this because it opened up because there was an
2: earthquake at the beginning of the movie? Or what was the point of the scene with the earthquake crushing the people at the wedding?
0: Well, here's what it made me think of. I don't know what the point was, (laughs) but I remember one of the first viral videos going online and seeing footage was there was this wedding in Israel where all these people were dancing and jumping around and the floor caved in. 30 people died, including like the groom's grandmother. It was like a real tragedy, but they were dancing in a faulty building and they plunged through. Because it was a wedding, it was on video. They were taping it. You can see it. It's out there. So it made me think of that. I don't know why they would reference that. They play it like a joke. They're dancing and then they stop the traditional Greek music and they move on to some pop song. And we think for a second that maybe they're playing too loud, but no, it's just an earthquake that has unearthed treasures i think that they're finding statues in the water and it's laura's theory that somewhere a fissure has opened in the floor to expose this mythical alexander uh, the great repository i think that that's what they're telling us but it's a lot of garble she's looking at drifts And saying while everyone's diving over here, the tides would actually have carried the treasures over here. But I don't know how heavy a current has to be to take an entire temple (laughs) miles away from where it was founded. I agree. If it took an earthquake to
3: bring it to the surface, because it's right there. The theory is, according to Jan de on his commentary... The reason we see that wedding is because that wedding is where this temple used to be. And it fell off the mountain in an earthquake, which is why it's in the sea. It's not like Alexander the Great went swimming every time he got a new treasure.
0: The, the temple itself broke off from the top, rolled past the bride and groom... No, I mean, hundreds of years ago. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I'm just checking. Because with these movies, they ask a lot. They give little, they ask a whole lot. Your brain is just seated from the get-go. I will say Santa Rita is beautiful. And again, if so much is about the joy of the location, I do think Jolie looks tremendous as she rides up on the jet ski to see this location. All of this, I think, fun. Even though you're right, Arnie, it's as absurd as it's ever been. and I don't understand how a temple could be rolling away with the sea wind, I'll go with it because it's fun to do.
2: I'm going to go with a lot. But one thing I do have to bring up, and I had to rewind it, because I wanted to make sure that she wasn't carrying bags on that jet ski because she comes flying up on a jet ski with nothing but like a tiny fanny pack and a teeny weeny bikini. And all of a sudden she's on this boat and she has her laptop, a whole bunch of maps, she's got a change of clothes and a bigger backpack all of a sudden. So I wanted to know where that stuff was. Does she know these guys? Was that on the boat? Or am I asking too many questions already?
3: There was a second jet ski that looked like hers that we didn't see as much of because it wasn't doing really cool flips. So,
0: I think maybe there was a courier with her bringing her stuff. Yeah, Panasonic representative. Boy, the product placement is high on this one, too.
3: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I, I actually, it's 15 years later and I still think, damn, that's a nifty camcorder she's got going, but... Yeah, I will credit, they never get her in the game outfit in this. They never get her back in the shorty shorts with the holsters and things. She goes through a lot of costume changes, but that silver one is something special. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's revealing and you're right it, it does remind me of gameplay I died so many times with the character swimming underwater here I think that was right to do they did it a little bit at the climax of the first movie but truly if you want to reference the game I think of Tomb Raider 2 the game having a lot of you diving underwater and that's the right impulse here I don't care how the temple got to where it is it's fun to see her and her companions take these cool little ski-dooth things underwater and okay is it an upgrade to go from a triangle to an orb all right now it's a sphere is that better (laughs) what i find absolutely amazing is they get in there right
3: and there's all these treasures instantly she's like hey let me hop up all these walls and go right to the one macguffin we'll need for this whole movie she doesn't take any
2: time no it's like almost like she knew exactly where she was going you know, and I'm not going to take too much time to dwell on the physical aspects and what's possible and what's not possible. But are we supposed
0: to believe that this temple is underwater and they're, they're in an air pocket at this point? You got it. The earthquake unleashed it and somehow some of the water got out. Actually, this does hold up scientifically if you accept that the
3: roof has not cracked in thousands of years.
2: Uh, okay. (laughs)
0: I'm not buying that But that's fine I'm not going to Mythbusters it I'm not going to Go underwater And try to disprove this Whatever they want to tell me Again This is always my attitude With these films Make it fun Don't make it too absurd If you make it Moonraker I can't go with you But if you make it A mediocre James Bond movie I can stay with it Because I like that vibe And that feel
3: And there's nothing more mediocre, James Bond, than a bunch of evil Chinese men coming up to shoot you for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) No, and yeah, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine
2: with the physics of it. I just need to know what perils we are actually in, you know, because if they're underwater, this adds quite a bit more danger to the situation when you know that the ceiling could come down at any time
0: yeah not only that but they nick her and she's bleeding and we know that the waters are shark infested so of course she's gonna have to swim up and even ride one I mean, defeating the bins and the villains to get to the surface and yeah they kill the friendly Greek fishermen like I thought these were going to be companions for her but they're gonna go back to Bryce and Hillary and no these new guys were just victims of this awful Chinese gang
2: oh yeah they get their throats cut quite viciously it was, it was a little shocking you know I mean there's been people shot and killed in the movies up to now but this felt a little gratuitous for what we've seen so far in the series
3: the throat cutting did seem violent and it made me wonder how he could yell for help after his throat was cut (laughs) but that's what happens
0: yeah it's what happens in the movies yeah (laughs) i mean that doesn't happen in real life when your vocal cords are cut but hey yeah i just thought it was shocking i knew
3: there were a lot of treasure hunters but they didn't set up this gang at all. So to just have the evil Chinamen come up and start shooting. I'm like, are they just going to gross stereotypes? Why is this <laughs> happening? I don't understand. None of these other treasure hunters looked the throat cutting type. And do they know about the orb? I mean, is it just coincidence that she's carrying an orb and they're like, get what she has? There's not enough other stuff to steal. All right, I'm honestly. I'm feeling pressure in my head. I think I'm gonna go boom like scanners if I ask any more questions about this. I just gotta move on. I gotta take a Transformers thing. If I can't roll out, what could I do? Just jump on, that's the Tomb Raider, just jump off the ledge.
0: Basically, the important piece of this is that this particular, the, the Shen Lai or something like that, some gang that specializes in raiding tombs. This is what they do. We'll see them later ripping up their Sheen terracotta statues. You know, they they just traffic in famous artifacts. And so they're here to rob I think that it's happenstance that Laura is here too, and they just want to leave with the glowing orb that she wants. Maybe they know that it's important. Maybe they've already cut a deal with the villain of this film, but we will eventually find out that they are going to make a trade with this Nobel Prize-winning scientist who has a need for this orb.
2: Well, he also has a kick-ass lab in a mall.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's got a lot.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there's... So, it just so happens that they find the orb, that Laura knows where it is, but she has no clue of its real importance, and Chen Lo and his men come in and steal it, and they probably have no idea of its importance, but then we have rice, and rice has been trying to sell great viral weapons, but there's too many cures out there. And so he thinks that he's going to sell for $100 million to these terrorist organizations, one that cannot be cured, and he's going to then go hole up in some vault somewhere while a plague
0: wipes out humanity. Is that what the plot is? I wasn't sure. We, he's, he's established talking about mother nature on a plane that you know i've developed typhoid and sarin gas cholera i've given you guys this collection of baddies that are riding the plane with him i've given you guys all of this stuff and mother nature always comes in and somebody has a cure or it burns out or for whatever reason and now we have a confusion where somebody's drinking wine they spit up blood and it turns out they were poisoned with ebola and he makes everyone else take pills Because they're going to get Ebola?
2: Well, it was time releases, what I took, and he was giving them the anecdote.
0: Okay. Was that what he was giving them? Or was he poisoning them and blackmailing them to pay him money? No, he was giving them the cure. Okay.
3: You know, usually when we deal with plot points
2: such as this, and if this is going to be the major conceit of the villain, where he wants to cull the herd, if you will, some sort of monologue about how the world and Mother Nature cannot sustain the population growth that we've come to and while it sucks that we have to you know watch brothers and sisters die it's what's best for humanity going forward there could be some altruism here i guess as i'm saying we don't get anything that interesting from this guy he just wants to kill people and let the rich people and his friends live and go on
3: it reminded me of valentine's plot from kingsman but not nearly as well thought out
0: yeah, it takes a while to to figure it out. The movie puts it out in little drips. But eventually, I think what we're supposed to understand is that he knows that this mythical Pandora's box has a virus inside of it. There's a story about an Egyptian that opened it and it killed a whole bunch of other Egyptians. But obviously, we're still alive So even though we were created by this thing coming from outer space, aliens, another comment. I'm not sure. Pandora's box comes from outer space. It creates human life, but Egyptians were already there to open it and also release a virus that kills some, but not all. All right. Here's how I took this. It's muddy. Mm.
3: Two boxes came to
0: earth. Oh, where's the other box?
3: The first box opened on its own. Yeah. And created humanity. Got that. We didn't come from ooze. We didn't come from apes. Yeah. We came from this box. Sure. Now, the other box is the cure for humanity. Like, we're a plague upon the earth. And the other box, just like the guy gave the people Ebola and gave them the cure for Ebola, the first box gave humans. And the second box will wipe out humans.
0: Really Scott is loving this. He's like, "Prometheus, I got <laughs> it." <laughs> yes. I I've seen this one before. So, the Egyptians found the second box which had
3: been stuck in the Cradle of Life in Africa. So the Egyptians went to the Cradle of Life, opened the box. Yes. Got real sick. Okay. Closed the box again and so
0: many of them died. Okay.
3: Alexander the Great
0: yes. finds the box. Yeah, he raids Egypt and similar things happen Uh uh-huh he takes it to his lunar temple that was underwater and then he moves it back yes
3: because he thought it was a great treasure then he realized what danger it is and so he puts it back
0: in the cradle of life but he leaves the map to how to get to the other place on a globe in the lunar temple yeah because that's helpful
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you say this was muddy or pool of (laughs) acid? Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. There is that fine line where you can go with absurd and now you're at the kingdom of the crystal skull.
3: Yeah, we're in crystal skull territory here because yeah, if you want no one to find it, you don't usually leave the trail of breadcrumbs.
0: Yeah, this is unsatisfying to any question you could have. Any question you will ask about it, it will hurt you to ponder. So, can we still have fun in the face of all of this, knowing that basically this is another garble about things coming from outer space and shapes being important to finding keys to maps to other places that will eventually lead to something catastrophic?
3: I could, if the action is as good as last time, I could. And Jan de Montt has given great action in Speed and in Twister, so he's capable. But, man, this movie is so talky. The first half an hour of this is almost as deadly as whatever's in Pandora's box. When MI6 shows up, these nameless men at Lara's house, and are like, I know we're secret society of spies and great people, but we need you, Lara. And Lara's like, I need this random dude who I used to bone. Without him, I have absolutely no way to do it. And all of this... Where's the action? Sure, I, we get to see her stick fight a little bit and it's fun to see her use a bow and then break it in half and use it like a couple of sticks setting up what we're going to do later. But the action here is way too little, way too. L- it's a game movie that's all cut scenes to go to Justin's reference from last <laughs> week.
0: Uh, That may be, but it feels more like a Bond movie. And for that, I'm appreciative. I actually think, tonally, I'm getting more into the story because it takes a while for me to realize how absolutely absurd it is. It does feel more like a female James Bond. It does feel like a step away from the video games.
2: Yeah, and, you know, at this point, I'm just noticing her wanton destruction because as, as they're fighting with sticks, she feels the need to break a vase of flowers and punch a hole in the door. I just... I really feel like, you know, they ran through this scene and Angelina's like, you know what, we've got
3: to make this more aggressive. Why don't I break this vase for no reason whatsoever? She's upset because her Greek friends got killed. She's working out her aggression. She's going to do that later on
0: a horse. Okay. So that's what it's about. You're right. I feel that she's much more angry. I'm not entirely sure where that's coming from. And I'm not exactly sure why she feels Gerard Butler is the solution to what ails her. Truthfully, I'm kind of being nice saying she's upset about the Greek guys. I
3: actually think she's just upset about being bested that they got the orb and she didn't. But I think that's why she was working out the aggression. I think that's why she's mean to the MI6 people. I don't Think she makes it clear what I said in the plot because I wasn't quite sure why she wanted Gerard Butler either. In fact, I felt like this undermined her. She is the Tomb Raider. She is the hero of the games. She doesn't need Short Round or anybody else. She doesn't need a guy to go along with her to do it. But I guess in this case, it's because He knows Chen Lo's organization. He had been a member of it. He was a criminal. And so he would be able to take her through China and into the organization
0: to get the orb. Not only that, but it's said something to the fact that she was going to be assigned in my six agents, and that's just way too stuffy for her style. Bond was very uncool by this point. It's worth pointing out, this is the era of Triple X. You scoff at the idea of British guys in suits as being the hero spies. If that's my choices, I'd rather have a dangerous Scotsman in a Kazakhstan prison.
2: Sure, but outside of casting somebody who's a hottie at the time, I guess. It's a missed opportunity to cast somebody of Chinese or Korean descent if that's where the story's going. You know, in the first movie, we got a Brit playing an American, and now we have a Scottishman. Well, at least he gets to keep his accent, I guess. That's a good
0: thing. Yeah, but why would he know so much about a Hong Kong gang, is your point? Yes, this is uh, geared for American audiences, and they're afraid of what an international romance or a non-white character might do to this franchise. That last movie was very white, and this one is only slightly less so. And the non-whites are usually bad. It's worth also pointing out that Gerard Butler, while he may be a hottie, is well before 300. At this point, his claim to fame is Dracula 2000.
3: Yeah, and that's a bad movie. I saw that movie. Nobody should see that movie. I'm surprised they got him. But it again, they cut the budget on this. So I guess he's your
0: lower rent before he was Bond, Daniel Craig. I will say this. While I don't think that he's a better actor than Daniel Craig, and I don't usually like Gerard Butler in much, I do think his character is a little more interesting. They make him have a little more sexual chemistry with Joe Lee. It's the same relationship. I mean, again, this movie is cut and paste from the last one. Instead of triangles, we get circles. Instead of Daniel Craig, we get Gerard Butler. But both of them are swooning and trying to get the approval of Joe Lee, who's not really into it. But I do feel like there is more chemistry between Jolie and Butler than there ever was with her and Daniel Craig.
2: Well, sure, and that that comes down to just actual more screen time together. With Daniel Craig, it felt like it came out of nowhere at the end of the movie that she even cared for him. But here, it's established with her asking for him and then going to the prison and having a conversation there. So, yeah, I mean, fine. It, it almost feels like they're telling the backstory that they
0: didn't get a chance to tell from the first movie. This one is a little longer than the last one, by about 20 minutes.
3: Yes, I feel every one of those <laughs> minutes, but... Here's the problem I have is I don't think Gerard Butler and Angelina Jolie have any chemistry on screen. Nothing about them sparks. And the fact that I almost got like the Sam and Diane thing. Like Gerard Butler keeps saying, oh, you want me. And Angelina Jolie's like, no, I I really don't.
0: And it turns (laughs) out she really doesn't. No, I know. The way that it plays (laughs) out at the end is hysterical. (laughs) He really is very deluded man. I wish that I felt the
3: heat. There's that one scene where he tries to bed her and she seems really into it and wraps her legs around him. Of course, that was in all the trailers. But then she handcuffs him. And we know who Angelina is. We all think we know where this is going, including Gerard Butler. But that's not it. She really doesn't want him. So... It is so much like Daniel Craig, down to the fact that I don't understand why I'm supposed to care about this guy. If he can get her into China, great, let's go to China and do that. But why he sticks around after that, he's really a dead weight
0: yeah I just don't think that in either movie now we are finding foils for her that match the spirit or the energy or that get something more out of Jolie at this point we want to see her do more and nothing none of this material is getting her there she's also got Bryce and Hillary again but they mostly spend most of the movie cramped around a laptop giving her advice through Google Glass
3: can I just say though at least they're all better than Benjamin Bratt and Catwoman I mean the Tomb Raider movies have better Males than Elektra and then Catwoman, but they're just—they're not working. And honestly, I think she's giving a good performance as Lara Croft. But the problem might be Jolie. If you've got two men who are supposed romantic interests and neither one's working out, maybe it's her.
2: Yeah, maybe it is, but I also have to question the people writing these stories. Are they, are the people writing this story just following so much what the last story did and where it failed by not having enough confidence in having a strong action movie hero be a woman? Like, do they feel like they have to surround her with all these tough men types to kind of even the playing field?
0: Well, I do think that if she ended up, you know, with him, it would feel like weakness. I'd I'd have to say that that would feel pandering and not the Laura Croft that I played, that she would want to end up with him and, and get romantic and woozy for Gerard Butler, of all people. I would not accept that. So I do like the fact... That she's sticking with her character, that her character cares more about trinkets and artifacts than she ever does for other people is true to the video game heroine, but it doesn't make for exciting movie chemistry.
3: No, and you know what else isn't exciting? People pretending to ride motorcycles on green screen. (laughs) That Great Wall of China thing should have been really badass. Of course, this movie wasn't allowed in China, not just not to film, it wasn't allowed in China to be played either because of how it portrays China. But this whole thing, you know what? David Copperfield walking through the Great Wall of China looked better than them CGI-ing the Great Wall of China.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, eh, you know, they've got to make... Everything that she does has to be taken up five or six notches. She, like, comes in buzzing a poor fisherman, you know, with, a, like, a stealth plane. Like, did you really need a stealth plane to get past one little fisherman? And then, yeah, she gets the, <laughs> goes to a village and gets this super cool motorcycle bike to drive on the Great Wall. I would think that would bring attention to you. I think people might be upset about some Anglo woman, you know, riding around on their national treasure, but, they're, again, they're supposed to be sneaking in to find this gang that, that is in the woodlands stealing artifacts from another cave.
3: A, where are the tourists at the Great Wall? Because that thing is covered in tourists like ants. And B, when they buzzed the fishermen, I did think, what if there was somebody else there? Like, were they ready to kill somebody to get this orb? Just, oops, collateral damage.
0: Yeah.
2: Was wrecking the plane part of the plan? Like, was that supposed to be a distraction? Like, oh, there was something, but it blew up, so let's not worry about it.
3: Yes, there was going to be no wreckage. I thought she was going to do a self-destruct. The entire plan was just crash the thing so that there's nothing for the
0: Chinese to trace them with.
2: But that didn't work. It was just like one of the wings came off and
0: (laughs) it tumbled into the water. Yeah, it looked like it was still pretty flyable to me, but hey, whatever. I ain't getting in a plane with her. And... I mean, there's so much. The fact that she ejects them so
3: close to the mountain makes me think Momentum Alone would still crash them into the mountain and leave them like bugs on a windshield. But, alright, they finally ride their motorcycles to the gang.
0: Yeah, who, uh, the plan was to get caught, I guess. He he is uh, a barter chip? I'm not sure exactly that I understand what... The point is, but, you know, she knows once she has a face-to-face meeting with Chin Lo, she can barter and negotiate the deal that she wants.
3: No, we're supposed to not trust Terry. He doesn't tell her that the plan is to get caught And so he leads them right up. They get caught. And then he says, the only way to get in is if they know we're getting in. We can't possibly sneak in. They'll kill us. So we have to go in as their
0: prisoners and then work it from there. I see. So she felt duped by that. I didn't get that exactly. But she did have a gun out. I don't know. I don't get them.
2: Yeah, I mean, it all all just feels like... Moving the plot forward so we can get a change of scenery at this point.
0: Yeah, and again, I'm a big fan of that. I have not been to China, but it was kind of fun to see this and the Sheen Terracotta Warriors, all of that stuff. I mean, it's what a Bond movie would do, and it's what I want to see in this film. Do I love the fact that she's running through the statues and you know avoiding the spears and all of that? I would say it's competent. It's not great action, but it is... Holding my attention to a degree.
3: Am I the only one disappointed that the statues didn't come to life and go to war? I really thought that was going to (laughs) happen after the last one. I mean, they go into all this about the terracotta warriors. I'm like, they're going to come to life. They're going to start stabbing. I really, really expected that.
0: I feel like they stepped away from some of that. I think that they thought that movie audiences were confused by the supernatural elements. Not that they're not going to go there at the end with, you know, where they go with the tree monsters, but...
2: Well, that's just it. It's not in the playbook or the roadmap from the last movie. The the supernatural didn't happen until later.
3: No, it happened at the midpoint, remember? The stone statues happened when they got the first piece of the triangle. Here, again, they have to get two things, and when they got the first thing, we just got... A hand-to-hand fight where she's going to let Chen Lo live but steal the medallion around his neck. But he grabs a gun and so she kills him and it's justified and we don't think less of her. And they they do a cool, like, repelling escape. I like when they're going down those
0: ropes and everything. That was pretty badass. Yeah, she at this point does not have the globe. The globe is in the hands of Chen Lo's brother and who is still going to hand it off to the villain at the Flower Pagoda in Shanghai. And so we have this weird stakeout of a, again, it's China. Where are the people? There's nobody on these streets, but there is a city pagoda and a giant helicopter is landing to exchange money for Orb. And Laura decides it looks like those rides that you can put a quarter in at Kmart, And you just kind of go around like she's going to ride a neon sign very slowly across (laughs) a wire and hope that no one notices. That was crazy to me. (laughs) I got to say, they've done better action scenes than this one.
3: I mean, I like the look of the city. I like all the neon. I think it's a good locale. But this action scene had me confused. I thought, (laughs) is the... A whole point trying to get the helicopter blades trapped in
0: wires? What is happening? What is happening is a good question here. She ends up putting a tracker on the device. She allows or doesn't dispute the fact that the villain is going to end up with the orb. And she's just going to put a tracker on it so that we can go to another location. We can go to Hong Kong. But it is a lot of flash and noise. And I just want to ask, is anyone enjoying this action?
3: I think she did a lot less of it herself, is my guess. I know in the features, they talk about how she still did some herself and she still trained a lot and she did the horse. They focused on the horse scene a lot. But here, you can just tell you're not seeing the close-ups. During that motorcycle, there's a point where it looked like somebody was a man on that bike. I mean, when you see it from behind, that is not Jolie's butt. I know Jolie's butt and that ain't it. We see somebody do a flip, and then we cut to Angelina Jolie on a catwalk. I'm just not feeling kinetic. Yon Debont should be doing better than this, and he's not. And this is probably why this is his last film. He's not doing a good job. He's not even doing a competent job. We're back slightly above Street Fighter 1 territory.
0: It's better than that, but I hear what you're saying.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it definitely looks better than that, and it's more competent than that, but it's the change of scenery is whiplash inducing at times you know we're we're at the wall of china and then we're in the bustling city oh i desperately wanted a red line like indiana jones show me where they're going right it's very much needed on a movie like this so yeah we end up watching her the way she launched herself off that neon sign should have thrown her right into the helicopter blades
0: (laughs) again you know what i'm talking about when you're a little kid and you ride the pony just going around in a circle i'm like this is what you look like you do not look like a badass (laughs) that does not look cool not even in slightly you look like oh one day you'll grow up and be a real action star
2: I think that's going to be the theme with a lot of the action pieces here. You know, later on, they jump off of a building with squirrel suits, and that does not look nearly as cool as they think it does.
0: Yeah, here's what I'm guessing. Because we're in Hong Kong and China and Shanghai, all of this stuff, I feel like there's a lot of glass and a lot of two-fisted guns... Hong Kong John Woo, right? Jan de Bont is trying to make his homage to all of those hard-boiled, the killer John Woo Hong Kong adventures. He's inspired by these locations, and he's trying to do that kind of action, and not necessarily the action of the video game, which they were so meticulously recreating in the first film.
3: I think the two-fisted guns is very much in spirit of the game because that's her big thing is having the two pistols. But yeah, a lot of this isn't feeling it. Tomb Raider does not really go to the cities. No. Tomb Raider is all about going to remote locations and tombs. So this is feeling far more James Bond than it is Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider the game.
0: Yeah, and Laura Croft never goes to the mall. We can all agree, right? When she follows that tracker to a Hong Kong shopping mall, this is a strange choice indeed. <laughs>
2: yes. Why, 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 why are you doing super secret disease... <laughs> Stuff
3: in a mall. Yeah, Haven't you seen Gremlins two, the new batch. I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was called a parody. <laughs> that was intentionally farcical. And this, I mean, I think there's an element of that. But this is not Roger Moore. This is not a serious action movie. This is not Jason Bourne. The tone is not such that I feel like it's either funny or to be taken seriously. So the idea that we, yeah, ultimately have this genetics lab in a shutdown hot topic and that (laughs) she's going to come in guns blazing and do a million John Woo references with broken glass just feels that Jan DeBond is trying to do other people's movies and not giving this a go as a video game movie.
3: And I think the screenwriters are to blame there, too. I mean, he didn't write the entire script and somebody decided to take them to a mall and take them to a city i'm sure he was involved in the scouting but it was written to be this way and it just doesn't feel natural it doesn't feel right that she's breaking in there and using her little camcorder to try to map the globe Although I'll admit, I did get a smile when she goes into that house and is like, Can I use your television? and hooks up all the wires and things and teleconferences with Bryce. How much gum did that little girl have in her mouth? Mm-hmm. At the
0: dinner table.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That was like a whole pack of Big League (laughs) Chew.
0: Yeah. And all of this, I'll never understand it. I don't even want to go into it. But supposedly, it requires sound vibrations of some reasoning that playing sounds for this orb is what's going to get it to project. Oh, my God. The cradle of life is in Africa. We all know this, right? (laughs) I mean, that's she's an archaeologist. Yeah,
2: right. I thought they were just projecting that Geo in a 3D <laughs> mode there. Like, we're seeing helicopter shots of rhinos running and giraffes
3: mating. This was one year after Attack of the Clones. I thought they were in Yoda's map room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just, my my opinion of her is just nosediving as fast as of squirrel divers. I'm like, I just can't believe that you wouldn't know that already. No one knows where it is. Well, maybe no one knows exactly where the box landed from outer space, or even, hey, how it got here, but we did know that the fertile crescent is in africa actually we did know that
2: (laughs) yeah that's that is knowable it's not cleveland
0: yeah we knew it wasn't going to be in shanghai and so it makes her look very foolish that she's now gotta figure out a way to get to kilimanjaro
3: but africa's a big place so she
0: does need to figure out where it is no well she figured it out by watching some stock footage of elephants and and emus (laughs) i mean that's literally the orb shows that and suddenly she knows I don't get
2: it. <laughs> yeah, the exact location, too. It's just, it's amazing.
0: Right, because she's been everywhere in Africa. When she catches up with Kosa, she's like, we haven't been to this mountain, right? But apparently she's been to every other one. She can look at the stock footage and knows that the climax must be here. And we do get a, before he was really famous, Jaiman Hansu. No, nah, he was already up for Oscars. He had been in Amistad, but no one saw Amistad. So you're kind of right. Yeah, I, I did not see Amistad. Alright, I'll be honest, I didn't see this guy until
3: probably Constantine, and then again in Guardians of the Galaxy, so
0: Oh,
2: is he the guy at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Blood Diamond and this one, he's been up for Academy Awards, but yes, I think it's still most famously known for who? When when <laughs> when you say Star Lord. Yeah. That's that's his claim to fame right there. <laughs> And you know what? This ain't going to get you famous. This is really a 1930s ooga booga. All he's missing is the bone in his nose. I mean, there's no dimension to this character at all. He's literally just her Jeep driver. I'm looking for somebody that has chemistry with Jolie. I would think that this was another opportunity, but he is yet another a boring foil for this chick.
3: And they kill everyone but him. (laughs) I don't know why they let him live, but... Rice and his people are going to come in and just slaughter everyone except him.
0: Right. We have this pile up at the end that uh, Gerard Butler got undone from the handcuffs and he's coming to save her or something and he partners with Bryce who knows how to fly helicopters because he's played video games and I'm thinking why do this at all Arnie's absolutely right all we needed this character for was the gang part don't bring him here in Africa you have Digimon Hansao. you just do that do him do this at the ending don't try to bring Gerard back
2: yeah but you know at the same time our ultimate villain isn't much of a fighting type of guy. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what are we building up to other than a betrayal that you see coming a mile away?
0: I guess that's right. Is a, This villain is very unsatisfying. I just I judge him very harshly for being a virologist who claims to have a cure for a disease he's never seen before. I just
3: No, he's lying. He's lying that he has a cure. Yeah, he's telling these people, hey, I have a cure for this disease. He's telling terrorists I am the only person who has your cure. In truth, there is no cure. The terrorists are going to be killing themselves And he is just going to hole up somewhere, hermetically sealed, with the people he chooses to go with him. And they're going to be the only ones who survive this plague. And why is that a fantasy? Because
0: there's too many people on Earth. He says that? Yeah.
2: No, does he? Or is it just kind of implied?
0: Yeah, I think you're making some of this up. What I heard was he was going to have the terrorists get blamed for releasing it, but that he wanted it released because... I don't know. Yeah, there was some kind of purge maybe, but yeah. Yeah, and not everyone will die. And he definitely said something about there's antiviruses.
3: No, he lied to them. Otherwise, why would they release the plague? You know, that even terrorists don't want to completely destroy themselves.
0: Okay, all that Mother Nature talk was to say he was looking for a disease that would have no cure so that he could finally, his whole goal in all the time perfecting sarin gas and all of this was to create something that humankind could not live through. Yes, that is a very bizarre individual indeed. <laughs> All right. Especially since he once won a Nobel Prize. <laughs> yeah, yes. You're going to get that rescinded. I'm pretty sure when you open Pandora's box. Be that as it may, there's some very confusing moments here where he know, he's he got the orb and he's got the map, but somehow Jolie knows more and she needs to walk him there. And so they're walking through a dead forest and the gremlins come. <laughs>
3: This is Harry and the Hendersons,
0: right? (laughs) What is this? It is Bigfoot. They call them Bigfoots. Okay. And it's Ghost Ape? Yeah. There's baboons that are there. And then there are, I guess, monster baboons that... ah. Again, I like in the video game, it's always fun to have those big boss types to battle with. You want to have that element, but you want to set it up. Otherwise, it's looking like Crystal Skull
2: right and you know I mean this is the video game conceit here this is where you get not only a big ugly creature but a big ugly creature that you can't really even see it just kind of bamps out of nowhere and it disappears just as quickly but it grabs its victim and drags him down with him I didn't understand why he needed her because she had the map does that physically protect her to get to where she needed to go or was he just trying to use her as protection that's not gonna work
0: he can't kill her because she's the star of the movie is what it feels like I need to keep you around to monologue to until you can take the globe and stick it in the hole that we didn't know it needed to go in. This is just
3: like the game. Because in the game, you're supposed to do a whole lot of stuff that I could never figure out how you were supposed to figure out how to do. Somehow, she had to Dropped this thing. It almost looked like skee-ball because the hole was so perfectly suited. I mean, she doesn't throw it, she just drops it, but it feels like she's dropping it down a ramp or something that just makes all of the ghost apes disappear right before they get the bad guy. You know, she could have held on to it just a moment (laughs) longer. It would have gotten the bad guy, and who cares?
0: Yeah, so many weird choices here, but okay, so we get to the cradle of life. It looks nothing like a cradle or much of life in It does look like an M.C. Escher painting as you described and it leads to a pool of bubbling black acid that we're told is created from Pandora's tears. So there really was a Pandora like that's not just the myth part of it. I thought this would. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. I'm walking away. It doesn't, I know that I have said already I am not rewarded for asking these kinds of questions, so I will stop. But I do feel like there should just be more to a climax than pushing the bad guy into a pool of acid.
3: All right, well, there was an alternate ending they filmed, but it was actually their backup ending. The studio didn't like the ending they got. Mm Mm-mm, neither do I. They didn't like the Gerard Butler turned traitor. They thought audiences wouldn't like it. He should be more romantic. Okay. So there was going to be a longer fight between Rice and Croft in which Rice accidentally shoots and kills Gerard Butler.
0: Okay. Not unlike how Daniel Craig almost sort of died last time.
3: Yeah. They filmed that and she was going to kiss him and say she not loved him, but something like that as he died.
0: Yeah, this is the problem. You have a female action star and studio suits feel like she needs to have womanly romantic ideals. And that is not Lara Croft. That is not the character we played. She's tough as nails. She doesn't need these men and she always succeeds without them. I would be angry if she ended up in his arms at the end of this movie. That would infuriate me. Yeah, this fight though, Rice isn't a fighter, and
3: the whole running around ceilings, it's visually cool, it's completely unmotivated by anything, I don't know why you get to the cradle and now you're dancing on the ceiling. Yeah,
2: gravity's reversed or something, it's just, I mean, I've seen this before in in Labyrinth, and they did it much better there, to much better effect.
0: They needed to movie it up, you know, they're like, well, how do we make this visually exciting if you walk up to a bubbling pool and there's a glowing box? You need to do something.
2: This would be fun to play in a game though. That'd be kind of a neat little thing to be, you know, having to find your opponent above you standing on the ceiling.
0: I agree. I would have enjoyed fighting the ghost baboons. I would have enjoyed being upside down, but as a movie, I'm definitely not because when you're watching a movie, you're looking for motivation. You're looking for characters and you're looking for more than cutscenes.
3: Lightning struck. I just had the idea that could fix this whole fricking movie. Midway through, Gerard Butler turns evil. He joins up with Rice in exchange for being one of the chosen ones to live and a whole bunch of money and all of that. Now you have an adversary worthy of Lara Croft. This end fight could be her versus her ex-lover working for Rice because her beating up an old man is not really making me feel good. Yeah, yeah. but if you took her and Gerard Butler dancing on the ceiling while fighting each other, you could have a really decent tête-à-tête there. And then his death killed by her would have even more meaning and the betrayal would hurt worse. And then you have a reason for him to be there because Rice just doesn't have a good henchman. And I think that's a big
0: problem well he had a better one than the guy did last time with the long hair this guy uh, what was his name
2: mr pibb last time or mr pims i don't remember this guy's name <laughs> mr pibb.
0: Sean. yeah sean we're gonna be seeing him again He's the star of far cry whenever we get to that video game movie till schweiger yeah he's just some aryan looking guy that i think gets gunned down in the lab
3: Yeah, he's killed way too early. That would be a perfect time for Gerard Butler to step up and be a bad guy. I think that betrayal would have strengthened Gerard Butler being here and given us a much better ending fight than we have.
2: Well, sure, it would have also streamlined the whole need to go to Shanghai and bring in that other gang. You know, we we don't need that other gang. We could have just had Reese getting the orb with his own henchmen somehow. You know, we we didn't need this whole Shanghai sidekick. And we could spend more time maybe doing some tomb stuff if we're going to have a lab set in a mall. Maybe she has to fight her way up the levels through his goons to get into this unprotected lab next to the Orange Julius. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think you dump them all. Again, I don't know what you do to fix this because again, the story is bunk. It doesn't matter what you do. It's stupid, stupid, stupid. It just needs to be fun. And again, what I feel like debug tried to do is I'm going to to ground this a little bit more into a James Bond world and take it away from the video game craziness until we get to the end and then he can't rectify this ending with everything that came before it and so it just feels like the wrong ending for this movie and then Gerard Butler
3: he's been trying to get Pandora's box with his gun so he doesn't touch the acid and He's going to take it and, what, sell it to another guy who wants to destroy the world? What is his plan?
0: What is the value of Pandora's box? Yeah, can we take that to the Antiques Roadshow and get a <laughs> quote on what it's worth to have a plague that could kill everyone?
2: Now, listen, I tell you what. I question yogurt that I may have opened last week and it's been in the fridge. Like, ah, yeah, that might've gone off. I broke the seal. They're playing with this box and breaking the seal. It's like, that's virus. World ending virus. Let's not even open it just a little bit just to see.
0: Yeah, was she tempted? Again, I'm wondering if on some level there's a part of her that needs to see. She definitely has an attitude about Gerard Butler trying to make a buck off of it, but she agrees with them that she kind of wants to know what's there. And yeah, her opening the lid And yeah, the light coming out, I think that that could have done some bad in the world. Yeah, I don't know why it's light. It's a virus.
3: I don't know why it looks like Marcellus Wallace's briefcase. (laughs) It's a glorious
2: virus. You know, I mean, maybe it's there to show that she has integrity, but uh, not as much integrity as an Indiana Jones. I mean, Indy wouldn't have even thought about opening that, but she's tempted a little bit and then thinks the better of it.
0: Yeah, it's getting back to the myth, maybe, about how, you know, Pandora actually opened it and closed the lid right at the last minute before Hope got out. And so all the evils of the world are out there, except Hope survives or something. But, <laughs> you know, I just, again, too many screenwriters, too many vague ideas. Maybe that could have worked in some iteration. It does not, this climax just flat out does not serve this movie and what they had been building towards.
3: But we're going to end on a happy note. After she just killed her lover, friend, guy, dude, she's going to go and
0: see Hillary and Bryce are getting married. Not to each other, though. I
3: think it was. No,
0: no, I think it was the women braiding their hair. Oh, well, they seemed a little old for them. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I honestly thought Africa was just way ahead on the gay marriage thing.
0: Maybe. I, I couldn't say. I do know that, again, it feels like they didn't have an ending. And uh, they just rely on the soundtrack. I gotta know, Arnie, the only thing I'm curious about <laughs> is, uh, do you like this Linkin Park sound-alike kind of stuff more than U2 and Basement Jack? this soundtrack let
3: me down and yeah perhaps it's the fact that it really was that corn period filter and pod i guess i was down for like the moby crystal method kind of dance stuff that harkened back to the first film but yeah there's a song on the soundtrack called i hate this and yeah i hated this
0: yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm with you, too. I have some soft spot for 90s techno and dance, but I have no love at all for the rap metal period. That was just garbage.
2: Filter gets close to being okay, but they're very much take it or leave it. It wasn't here in this soundtrack.
0: Yeah, I actually
3: have some affection for the hits of the time. You know, Did It All for the Nookie, mm. Down yeah. With the Sickness... Some of that other stuff. I mean, I can go with that. But this is like bad ripoffs of corn.
0: Yeah, I didn't know whether Lincoln Park was actually... I didn't bother to see even who was doing the music. I'm like, this is some Lincoln Park sounding bullshit.
3: Yeah, I believe it's Lunatic Calm did the Leave You Far
0: Behind. Mm-hmm. Well, not picking that one up.
3: Yeah, Alan Silvestri's score is pretty solid, but the pop songs on this are really second rate. If Jan de had anything with his music, he and I do not share musical tastes.
0: Wow, well, if the soundtrack's not pumping you up, I can't imagine what you're thinking of this movie, but let's get to it. Justin Stewart, do you recommend Laura Croft, Tomb
3: Raider? The cradle of life,
2: rock the cradle of life. <laughs> 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 Justin, ah, last time I was walking that line and I landed the needle just barely on this side of a mild recommend because there was things that were working and things that I could look past. And overall, we had a tidy hour and a half movie to deal with here. I feel like they've upped everything and not in a good way you know remember spinal tap you know will these go to 11 it's not always good to go to 11 they upped the action they upped the corniness at one point she punches a shark that growls at her underwater and then she rides (laughs) it to the surface of the oh okay
3: i thought that was semi badass i mean punching a shark And again, I was thinking of the video games about how you always run out of air. I I was wishing for a shark that would get me to the surface (laughs) faster. Yeah, you'll get the bends and you'll die, but never mind any of that. I did wonder about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever there was in the first movie that kept me interested, I just found myself more bored than anything else this time around. And maybe it's like Stuart mentioned. Maybe they're trying to do a little too much James Bond and not enough Indiana Jones this time around. And it's just not all working. So... When I'm done watching this movie, I'm, I'm glad the credits are rolling. I'm not coming back to it. I'm giving this one a not recommend because I don't feel like it was better than the first one. More is not necessarily better. It didn't give me anything new to grasp onto. But I will say this. Now knowing that there's a new Tomb Raider movie coming out and it doesn't have Angelina Jolie attached, I'm okay with that because I feel like she may be the problem here. Last time, Arnie, you made the perfect analogy that the two parts of the triangle came together, but it was just missing that little stone in the middle. Well, I don't even think the two parts came together this time. She's bland here, and you could tell she was done with this role before filming ended. So, not for me.
0: Stuart. They're just still not crossing the line. I don't feel like it's either an improvement or a degradation from what we had the last time. I feel like we still kind of have a piecemeal plot that it may be a problem for some people that it moves away from the gameplay closer to Bond. That wasn't a problem for me. I like James Bond movies, and the problem is it feels like some of the James Bond movies that were more impersonal. It feels like the least interesting episode of Alias ever made. (laughs) And so I just can't care. I don't know what else to say other than all the elements are there, they travel to the right places, they have the people that look right, can do it and yet I feel very little going through the motions here. It would help to have a plot that makes sense, but that's not everything. Sometimes that doesn't happen in Bond, but essentially, is it Jolie? Well you're right, we will be able to see what a Tomb Raider looks like without her I'm not going to lay it at her feet I think that the problem may be they still don't know how to write a video game into a movie this franchise so far just doesn't have a soul so it's a mild not recommend i was with you guys for about
3: the first half of this movie where i'm like man the action isn't as good as last time and the plot's just as dumb but when we got to the second half it became really a slog to get through the talky parts of this movie and yeah is angelina the problem here I can't tell. I honestly can't. I don't know enough about the production despite watching all the bonus features. She seemed pretty game. She seemed pretty excited to be reprising the role. Maybe she's a better actress in the bonus features than she is the film. I don't know. But something is off here. I'm willing to point all the blame at our writers and director, though. I think that the action scenes weren't as inventive nor were they filmed as well, they weren't as kinetic. In the end, this movie lacks what the last one had, fun. I said during our last review, I smiled during the action scenes. Here, I had a frown that just kept growing as it went on, and being 20 minutes longer made this 20 minutes worse. It ends up being a real solid not recommend, and for one that I came in thinking that people were saying this is the good one, damn was
0: I let down. It's a different kind of fun. It isn't the same video game kind of fun, but I think some of the stuff they had in a John Woo way kind of works. I don't know. I'm not an action movie guy, so it's, it's not something I want a lot of taste in. Again, trying to get this franchise back to its roots of Raiders of the Lost Ark, they're lost in the woods there. They don't understand character. It's not the action that's the problem for me. It's the soul. It's the fact that nobody is playing off one another and there's not a story or a vibe or a sense of playfulness about the interplay between the characters.
2: Yeah, when you give me a sequel to a movie that I didn't really care that much about, you better swing for the fences. You know, I'd rather have you come up short because you went too big and too bold and tried to reinvent it than to just do the same thing over again, just with different backdrops.
0: Yeah, that's what it felt like. It did feel like a remake and not a sequel to the first film. And so, I don't know. What will it be like now that we've had so much time? The games have evolved. We have another Oscar-winning actress in the role. Am I excited? No. Am I curious? Definitely. I think the trailers look really solid. I don't really know Alicia Vikander. I mean, she was in that last Jason Bourne movie. Yeah, I don't really know her, though. She won the statue for Danish
3: Girl. Didn't see that one. And I can't say I'm excited either, because I had absolutely no plans to see that movie until we're doing this retrospective. But given that we are doing this retrospective, I think it really has a shot at being one of the best video game movies we're going to cover the whole time. I don't know the director (laughs) either, though. Roar? Is that words?
0: (laughs) Or do I need to perform CPR?
3: (laughs) He did The Wave in
0: 2015. Oh, The Wave. Uh, Okay. Interesting choice. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't need genius. I want to stress that. I understand these are video game movies. They need to capture the spirit of the game. So far, they've done a pretty good job of capturing the spirit of Tomb Raider the game. They have not made it into a movie. And that is the alchemy that needs to happen. Whatever magical thing you need to co-opt, it better sprinkle some pixie dust on this and give me characters and, and interplay and jokes that are funny and bits that are truly exciting to watch.
2: Yeah, the, the only thing I know about this movie going into it is I was introduced to it because when they teased it out there, they put out a poster that was just a major Photoshop fail. <laughs> the poor actress's neck was stretched out about three times too long. It was just really inhuman.
0: I remember that, yes, okay. <laughs> but, you
2: know, I mean, knowing nothing about the movie going in, if they're going to reboot it or whatnot, I am a little bit encouraged by the choice of actress, at least, not knowing her body of work, but knowing her body on the poster is not some over-sexualized big boob, let's, you know, go out there and jiggle for fanboys. At least they're taking the characterization look a little more seriously. So that gives me hope that maybe they're taking this in a little bit different direction.
3: We'll see. So we'll find out next week. Justin, Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until Tomb Raider, game over.
1: I burst to tell you everything. But in the fierceness of my own battles, I strove to tell you only that which would inspire you and keep you safe. I love you so much.
0: Suddenly I feel so alone.
1: You are never alone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Tempest Fugit.
3: Yes, time flies.
1: Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Everything lost is meant to be found. And in the nowplayingpodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other video game movies, including Resident Evil, Double Dragon, Super Mario Brothers, The Wizard, Street Fighter, and more. Well, I don't know about you, but that's more time than I'm prepared to commit to this enterprise. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more.
0: Welcome to the Dead Zone.
1: Do you want to continue? Insert money now to keep playing Now Playing.
3: Do you think anyone here is paid enough to take that chance?
1: Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads we rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating.
0: Duh! Macho
3: U.S. Greenback! Duh!
1: You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Take me to Pandora's box. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I'll take two. You can also join the Now Playing patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month plus even more perks including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review find the details on our website help me you will get what i know you want and while at now playing podcast.com be sure to join our forums where you can discuss these movies and games with other listeners you shouldn't have come here but i'm glad that you did if you want even more now playing reviews place your order now for the first now playing book underrated movies we recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. I think I've never seen anything quite so beautiful that I know so little about. This is a pleasurable torment. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage.
2: You know us, always making
0: friends, having a laugh.
1: Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho.
3: You're seeing eye.
1: Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by David, Steve, and Arnie.
2: There's no rest for the wicked.
1: Now Playing Credits, read by Brock. Enough of this twaddle. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Can't be too careful these days. The world has gone bloody mad. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of N'Ganza Media Incorporated. At some point we have to face up to who we are who we're meant to be. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2018, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the express written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated.
0: You messed with the wrong family.
3: Kieran Hines, Jaiman Hanso. Dijmon
0: Honsau, I think. I, I looked it up. Oh, oh, okay, you're right. I might have been mispronouncing it. I've always said Dijmon mean here, here it is again. This one's a little harder
3: to hear, though. Hansu. Honsau. Jiamen. Jiamen. It's like Simon with a J. Jiamen Hansu. While deep-sea diving, she finds the Safety Deposit Temple where Alexander the Great kept all his treasures. The next year, she would star in Alexander, so... And it leads them to Africa, where they meet Laura's friend Kosa, played by Jaimin. Oh, played by Yeah, Jaimin, Jaiman. <laughs> Jaina. Laura Friends Co- Laura's Laura Friends Kosa played by Jaimin Hansu. <laughs>